We are uh, this morning continuing a, a sermon series on the topic of community, and uh, we're going to be looking at a, a passage from uh, Ruth chapter 2. And if you're not familiar with the, the Old Testament book of Ruth, if you've never read it, you should read it. It only takes you about 15 minutes. It's a beautiful little story. And uh, it, it tells the story of an Israelite woman named Naomi who lived in the uh, 11th century B.C., and uh, there was a famine in the uh, land of Israel during her time, and so she moved to the neighbor, among the neighboring people of the Moabites uh, with her husband and her two sons, and her two sons married Moabite wives, and then her husband and two, two sons all died. And so she was going to come back to the land of Israel, and one of her daughters-in-law was named Ruth, and she had become a believer, and she uh, loved the God of the Bible and the God of, of Israel. And so she said to her mother-in-law, I want to go live among God's people. And so they come back to, to Israel, and it's during the time of harvest. And that's, that's basically what happens in chapter 1. And we're pick, picking up in, in Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first uh, seven verses and then skip down to verse uh, 14. And, and we're going to hear about uh, a man they meet named Boaz, who's just kind of a sweetheart of a guy. And you'll see a little of that in this passage. So... Uh, Ruth chapter 2, starting verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. She's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he uh, passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some leftover. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Gracious Father in heaven, um, we are so grateful for your word and that you have um, called us and brought us into your household, into your family. You've adopted us. And uh, Lord, we treasure your love for us. And um, we pray that as we uh, study Ruth now, that you would teach us about hospitality and the culture that um, your word calls us to have in, in our church community, that we would be like you. And that's our, our deep desire. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would um, 
uh, lead us in truth, lead us to faith in Christ, and, um, and be our wisdom, be our teacher now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we are uh, we're talking about a topic that's very near the, the center of, of what Christ Church Bellingham uh, hopes to be, who we hope to be as a church, uh, the topic of hospitality. And uh, this sermon is titled Community and Hospitality, which you might think are two things that go together. Hospitality kind of welcoming people in and forms community. Um, but it's not necessarily true that hospitality and community go together. In fact, uh, the challenge is that community and hospitality are often very much opposites. Because if you want to have rich, deep, committed community, it takes time. And you can really only do it with a small number of people. And uh, when people say that they want community, what they're offering, often picturing is, I want a tight-knit group of friends who all know each other really well, who love each other, and have a long history with one another. But hospitality is, in Greek, the, the word for hospitality is phylloxenos, which means the love of strangers. It means taking the security and the closeness, the tight-knitness that we have with our family or our close friends or our church community and saying we're not going to give that just to each other but to people who are outside of the community. And uh, Jesus is clear that if you have a tight-knit group of friends who all invite one another over, there's nothing specifically Christian about that. The world does that. The world has friends that they all hang out with one another. Evil people have friends where they hang out with one another. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a human thing. It's like eating. Eating's not a specifically Christian thing. It's, it's a human thing. But true hospitality is rarely done in the world because by definition, it's a disruption of community. Hospitality takes the boundary lines of the friend group and shatters them. Or you might say hospitality disrupts community unless you are a community that is defined by hospitality. And that's exactly what we are. If hospitality is about taking strangers and making them a part of your family, the gospel is about how we were all strangers to God. We were aliens to God. We were enemies of God. And he's brought us in and adopted us and called us his beloved children and given us all the benefits of being a part of his family. The gospel is about hospitality. And we must never forget that that's who we are, those who are strangers who are brought in. And so today we're going to have a reminder about the kind of hospitable community the gospel can shape us to be as a church. And we're going to do that by looking at the beautiful story of Ruth. Ruth was an outsider. She was poor. She was a widow. She was a foreigner. Any one of those by, your, by themselves in the ancient world would have made you an outsider. And she had all three of them. And Boaz brought her in. And, uh, and so this morning, I'd like to make five observations for us about what hospitality is from this passage. And this is what they are. That hospitality is a work of the Holy Spirit. Hospitality happens around meals. Hospitality is practiced by a community. Hospitality happens in ordinary life, and hospitality is at the heart of the gospel. Five insights about what hospitality is. It's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that happens around meals. It's practiced by a whole community. It happens in our ordinary life, and it's at the very heart of the gospel, which is the center of what 
the church is. And so I just really think there is nothing more powerful than for a church community to internalize this and make this a part of our culture. And so I I pray that God would use his word and his spirit um, to shape us as his people this morning. So five insights. The first is this. Hospitality is a work of the Holy Spirit. If hospitality is going to be a part of our culture, it's a work that the Spirit will do. And when when you read the book of Ruth, you'll find in a number of places that the, the presence of God is kind of this unseen, invisible hand that is guiding. You know, sometimes God is not even mentioned, but you know that underneath he's directing things. And you can see that there in, in, in the beginning of this passage in verse 1 where it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. And so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And that little phrase, she happened to come upon her. You know, she came upon by chance. The Bible uses that as a way to describe there was some invisible supernatural happening that brought uh, uh, Ruth to that field. And we're supposed to all know that's the Holy Spirit. That's God's own presence in directing. And so this story about hospitality, about welcoming the outsider, it wasn't Boaz's idea. It wasn't Ruth's idea. It was God's governance of all things. And that's why we say hospitality is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's ultimately God who is welcoming people. It's not so much us. It's God who's welcoming. He knows what he's doing. And he's going to welcome people through us is what his intention is. And so if God is the one who is, by his spirit, welcoming people into his kingdom and into his family, what's our part in that then? Well, a couple of things you see in this passage is that when the Holy Spirit is, is drawing people, the first is, we must see the people who God brings. The first part of our, for us is to see the people who God brings. And you see there in verse 5 how it says, Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Boaz saw Ruth. And it's the first thing is for us to see who God is bringing. And, you know, by the way, uh, Boaz eventually falls in love with Ruth and they get married. You know, spoiler alert, that's what happens in the story if you go read it. But um, it never says that he was attracted to her for her beauty. Uh, Ruth's physical appearance is never mentioned. Actually, in other places of the Bible, when a man and woman meet up, it will will say, and the woman was very beautiful and the man married her. And it never says that. If anything, Boaz was attracted to her for her faith. That's what he was attracted. But Boaz was alert to the working of the Holy Spirit when Ruth came to his field. He saw Ruth, uh, who the Spirit had brought. And so the first thing, our part, is just to see who is God bringing, to have our eyes open and to be alert. The second um, part that we play is that we must do the things that God says. Be obedient to his word. And and you see there in verse 6 how it says, And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she's continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. 
So Ruth has to glean. And, and you might not know that that's a Bible verse that's being referenced right there. But in the, in the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law had said that if you're a farmer and it's harvest time, you send your workers through the field and they only go over the field once. Don't get every little piece of, you know, grain or fruit or whatever over your field. You're supposed to leave the leftovers so that the poor can come among, you know, behind the reapers and get whatever is left over. You're not supposed to maximize your profits. And so you're supposed to care for the poor. And Boaz, he's a business owner. He's got all his workers. They do their business in obedience to God's word. They just take what God's law says and they do it. That's a mark of this community is they do what God says. And being a hospitable church comes from the cooperative work of God's Spirit and His Word at work among us. His Spirit and His Word together. And so first, a hospitable culture in a community like ours is only the work of the Holy Spirit. Second insight is that we see in this passage is that hospitality happens around meals. Hospitality happens around meals. There is a power to eating with people. And the book of Ruth is filled with uh, all kinds of charming little details. And one, one of them is this little meal that's mentioned in this passage I just read to you. You see there in verse 14 where it says, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. Now, Boaz has already been very kind to Ruth. He's saying, you come into my field and get whatever's left over. Make sure you get enough food. And don't go to someone else's uh, field. He had told her, I want you to come to my field and I'm going to take care of you. But there's a greater level of intimacy here when he says, now I want you to come eat among my friends, the reapers and the people who, who work with me. And it was a great honor to, to when you serve someone food, you were honoring them. And, and in the ancient world, Meals were more than just a time to get your physical sustenance, you know, for your, your body. They were, uh, meals were symbolic acts that bound people together. And that's why Jesus, when he wanted to be bound to all of his followers throughout history for 2,000 years, he put a meal at the center of our worship service. So every week we come and we eat with Jesus and we are bound to him. And many of you, you know, have experienced that where you, you'll know someone at church and you'll you say, oh, I've seen that person at church and I know their name. I don't really know them. And maybe you have actually all kinds of assumptions about what they're like and you make judgments about them. And, and then you spend some time with them and you eat with them. And in the meal, you're like, you hear their story and you laugh with them. And all of a sudden, they're a whole new person. And you're, you're bound to them. And it's like your whole relationship has been transformed because you shared a meal together. That's what meals do. And uh, meals together build bonds. And Boaz creates a bond with Ruth through this meal. You see what happens after the meal in verse 15. It says, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles to her and leave it uh, for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So he says, I'm going to feed you this meal, but I'm going to, there's going to be ongoing care for you. Boaz is committed now to Ruth. Now this, if you have someone over for a meal, you share a meal with someone, it doesn't necessarily mean you're promising to be best friends with them forever. You're bound to them. But what you are communicating is my spiritual community is open. 
My spiritual family is open. You are welcomed into my community. And this is one of the reasons that the, one of the main elements of Jesus' ministry, when he was walking around forgiving the you know, prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners, what did he do to show them that God's kingdom was open to them? He would eat with them. And that's what Pete was criticized for eating with all kinds of people. Because the meal was a statement to them that God's kingdom is open to you. And now we are the body of Christ. And when all of us eat meals with people, we are announcing to them that God is welcoming them in his love. And they are welcomed into his kingdom. And uh, if I could just make one point of application here about this. When should you share that meal with people? When's a good meal to extend and open, announce to people God's kingdom? Well, God has scheduled into all of our lives a weekly feast day. The Lord's day is a feast day every week. This is the day of the kingdom and where we come together and we worship God. And I know a couple months ago, I, uh, my family went over to the Papera family's house, and they, they have a tradition where they have these Sabbath parties on the, on the Lord's Day, and they'll have all kinds of people over, and people eat, bring a potluck, and they get, you know, kids are running around everywhere, and you sing hymns together. And we were there. It was really inspiring to be a part of that. We're like, wow, this is, this is what God wants for this day. And I was, I was talking to Michael Papera uh, a couple weeks later, and and he was saying if, there, if he had one desire for our church and the culture of our church was that, that that one day we would spend together, eating together. I mean, just imagine that. All the people in our church would say, this is how I spend the Lord's Day, is with people, eating with them, in, in celebrating the kingdom of God. And I think when we picture our whole church, church having a practice of sharing meals with people inside and outside the church, it leads to a third point about hospitality. So we've seen that hospitality is a work of the Holy Spirit. It happens around meals. Meals are powerful. But the third thing is that hospitality is practiced by a whole community. Hospitality is a work that can't just be done by one person or just a few people. It needs to be shared among the whole community. And you see that there in the second part of verse 14 where it says, so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. It wasn't just Boaz. It was all his friends, the reapers, the people that he worked with, who, who all loved the Lord, who were welcoming Ruth in. It was the whole character of their community. That's what they, they all knew that. They internalized, this is who we are. And one of the challenges of community is that communities, almost by definition, are exclusive. And this is part of what we talked about in the, in, in the beginning of the sermon. And uh, Paul Miller, who wrote a book about the book of Ruth, it's called A Loving Life, is, uh, talks about this. And I'm going to read to you some of what Paul Miller says. This is what he says. Instinctively, we know that what makes for good, what makes for good community, a safe place where I'm included and where I'm known and loved and I in turn know and love others. Creating an inclusive community is the holy grail of modern culture. But actually doing it is extremely difficult. The very qualities that create a tight-knit community work against including outsiders. We just got to hear those words. The very qualities that create a tight-knit community work against including outsiders. And yet we're called by our Lord to be an open community. How are we going to do it? Well, this is, uh, this is what 
Paul Miller says. He says, the biggest problem people have in searching for the perfect community is just that. You don't find community. You create it through love. Hear those words. How do we have community? You don't find it. It's something that's created through love. You don't consume community. You create it through loving others. Look how this transformed the way you enter a room of strangers. Our instinctive thought is, who do I know? Who am I comfortable with? There's nothing wrong with those questions, but the Jesus questions that create communities are, who can I love? Who is left out? And what Paul Miller is saying is that when you and I come into a room of people like this, there are certain people that we see. And we say, you know, I hope I get into a conversation with that person. I see them, I, I, and, and I want to spend some time with them. And there are a whole other a lot of other people that are invisible to us. And why are they invisible to us? Because we don't think they're important. But Jesus thinks they're important. He brought them here. It was the Holy Spirit who brought them here. And many of us come here longing for community. And what happens when we find community is we secure it. Don't let anything disrupt it. And I'm going to read to you again, you know, Jonathan read this uh, earlier in the service, this passage from Luke 14, uh, and he had talked about, oh, this is a challenging passage for him. This, this passage has haunted me for years. It's, and I believe that our Lord intends us to do these words. This is from Luke 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, he was talking, Jesus was eating with one of the rulers of the Pharisees. And he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And I think that, that list of people, you know, the, the poor, the, lime, the, the blind, the lame, the crippled, it's a, it's a summary statement of those who are on the outside, those who are on the margins, those who are invisible, those who the world says are not important and that no one cares about. Jesus says, welcome them in. And I think he intends us to do, put his words into practice. Now, is this saying that you don't ever get together with your friends to eat? No, it's not saying that. What it's saying, though, is that's not hospitality. That's not love for strangers. And when should we do this? You know, one thing that I've thought about with this passage is to take Jesus very literally. When should you do this? He says, when, uh, when you have a feast, when you give a feast. When do you give a feast? Well, on the feast days. <laughs> Take feast days. We have a weekly feast day uh, on the Lord's Day. We also have feast days throughout the year, you know, maybe it's Christmas Eve or it's Easter or something like that. It's good. To, those are good times to say, these are the times of the feast days of the Lord, and I welcome the outsider. But the one thing to say about that is hospitality is practiced by a whole community. And if any one of us feels like, oh man, there's so many people that feel on the outsides in this church or people that are visiting, and I need to invite all of them into my life, you're going to be crushed. You can't do it. It has to be carried by the whole community. Boaz's friends are a part of the care and welcome to Ruth. 
So what we've seen so far is that hospitality is first a work of the Holy Spirit. It's God's invisible hand. who is He's the primary one who's welcoming people in. And, uh, and hospitality happens around meals. They're powerful. And it's not practiced by any individual, but it, it's practiced by the whole community. The fourth insight I want to highlight is that hospitality happens in ordinary life. Hospitality happens in ordinary life. And one of the things I mo- love most about this passage is that it's so beautiful, but it's also so ordinary. It's just the farmers in the field, they're having a break for their meal. And it, it's an ordinary scene, and yet the kingdom of God is, is coming in this, in this story. Where in your ordinary life is God welcoming people through you? Where in your ordinary life? And let me give you a couple things to consider. First, consider your workplace. The setting of this whole passage is in the workplace. You know, these farmers who are going out into the field and they've brought their faith into their workplace. Uh, Boaz is a business owner. He's got this farm and he's got these employees who work for him that work in the fields. And they, it's created, the love of God has created a culture in, in their workplace. You, I love that in verse 4 where it says, and, Bo, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And I just love how they go through their day and they, they bless you. You know, you're, and it's just goodwill and cheerful and they're, and they're speaking of the Lord's blessing on one another. And it's just, there's a cheerful love within the workplace that Ruth enters into. Hospitality often begins in your workplace. For so many of us, that's a, one of the places we spend the most hours during the week. And maybe those, that's where our eyes need to be open to is the people that we're meeting in our work. Often it's in our workplace that we will love our neighbors the most throughout our life is through our work. And so maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing you, bringing you people in your workplace. So the first thing to consider, the ordinary part of your life is just your workplace. Second thing to consider is consider the ordinary rhythms of your life. It says in verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So it was mealtime. And uh, this meal is probably something Boaz and his workers did every, uh, every day. It was just part of their normal life. And they said, uh, Ruth, why don't you come and be a part of the mundane part of our life? And she got to just come be a part, eat with them, something that they did all the time. They weren't doing anything special. They were just letting Ruth be a part of it. So ordinary life was transformed into extraordinary love. Hospitality is taking the normal parts of your life and letting other people be a part of it. Whatever you do for eating, resting, talking with people, playing, recreating. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Jonathan's going to talk to us about kind of a, a summer community schedule that we're going to have a church as a church where people in the church are just saying, hey, I like to go hiking or I like to play board games on this Tuesday in June. Anyone who wants to come play board games can come play board games. Anyone who wants to come on a hike or go on a run, they can come do that with me. And we'd love to have a calendar of just things that we as a church do in ordinary life where new people could come be a part of it. And so that might mean you showing up at one of those things. It might be some of you hosting one of those things and saying, hey, this is something I love to do. And I would love to put a couple dates on the calendar where new people in the church could come do this with me. And it's important to recognize that hospitality is not entertaining. You, it's, not, it's not Martha Stewart. 
It's not showing off. It's not a time to show off. It's a time to just let people, you know, be a part of your ordinary life. Now, you might, if it's on the Lord's Day, you're having people over, you might say, oh, I got a little better piece of meat and a bottle of wine because I, you know, to make it special. Great. That's great. That, people will like that. But uh, Rosaria Butterfield, who's written about hospitality, this is what she says. She says, in radical ordinary hospitality, host and guest are interchangeable. If you come to my house for dinner and notice that I'm still teaching a math lesson to a child and my laundry remains on the dining room table unfolded, you roll up your sleeves and fold my laundry or set the table or load the dishwasher or feed the dogs. Radically ordinary hospitality means that hosts are not embarrassed to receive help and guests know that their help is needed. A family of God gathering together a daily together needs each and every person, host and guest, are permeable roles. I love that picture. You know, and actually many people who need a community and family, they would love to do the dishes. I mean, that makes you, when you're doing the dishes, you feel like you're one of the part of the family. We're all doing our chores. I'm just jumping in. You actually, it's not, it's not a burden. It's a joy to be a part of the community. Let people into the ordinary life. And one of the things about ordinary life is it's loaded with tangible acts of service. And I love the little line in verse 14 where it says about Boaz, he passed to her roasted grain. I was like, well, how did that get in there? That he passed. It's just, this, you know, whenever you're eating with people, you're doing all little kinds of acts of service. Oh, let me clear the plates. Let me, can I get you something to drink? Oh, pass the green beans down the table. There's just little tokens of service everywhere. And especially here, it's Boaz is serving Ruth. Boaz is the business owner who's wealthy and well-respected. She's the foreigner widow who's poor, who's in a needy position, and he's putting himself under her. He's honoring her. And, you know, by the way, another thing to say about Boaz is, is Boaz is a single man. And I think that can sometimes happen where people think, well, I'd be hospitable. You know, that's something that you do when you have a family and then you invite other families over. Actually, Ruth is single also, and sometimes people think, well, I'm a, I'm a single person. Maybe I live in an apartment or I have a small house. I'm not sure I could have one of these giant families from the church over. Well, don't invite the giant family. Maybe there's other people who don't have all that who really need to be welcomed in. These are two single people who are caring for one another and welcoming each other in. Who are the people you could bring into your ordinary life? Think about the people at work. Think about the neighbors around your house. Think about the people that you've brief, briefly chatted with here at church. It means a great deal when you welcome them in. And, and you know, we're all in different places. Some of you, to have someone in your home would be a major stretch. Find a place where it's like, this is a starting place for me. Maybe it's just going and getting a cup of coffee with someone. I'm not ready for someone in my home. I want to have a cup of coffee. What is a way that you can share your ordinary life with the people around you. That's the vision that God is giving us. And so what we've seen so far is that hospitality is a work of the Holy Spirit that happens around meals. It's practiced by the whole community and it happens in our ordinary life. But we need one last point from this passage and it's this, that hospitality is at the heart of the gospel. Hospitality is at the heart of the gospel. And whenever we read a passage like this, one of the questions you have to ask is, who am I in this story? You know, whenever you read the Bible, you're identifying with someone in the story. And so far in this sermon, who have we been in this story? 
Boaz. We're saying Boaz welcomed Ruth in. We all need to welcome people in. We all need to be like Boaz. But then you notice that little detail there in verse 14 where it says, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Who's the one who feeds people bread and wine? And then also, you know, another thing that you, you learn about Boaz, Boaz is maybe the only other person in the Bible besides Jesus who we don't have a record of, their, of one of their sins. He's kind of like, this guy does the law. You know, he does the Mosaic law. He's loving. He's humble. He cares for people. He is a righteous man. There's no sin in him. And so we say, who's the guy who serves bread and wine and has no sin? We're not Boaz. Jesus is Boaz. And so who does that mean we are in this story? We're Ruth. We're Ruth who's being brought in by the greater Boaz, Jesus. And every week, what happens here when we eat bread and wine with Jesus, he has all of his other reapers around, his friends gathered around, and he brings us into the group of friends, and we have a meal of bread and wine with Boaz. And why do we love meals so much as Christians? Because every meal is a small token to us of the kingdom of God. And we know that the kingdom that we are one day going to be a part of is a meal, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to feast we are the lame and the crippled and the outsiders who are going to feast with God because that's what Jesus does. He welcomes the outsider to his meal. And the reason we're always welcoming the outsider and uh, why we have to let our communities be disrupted is because God himself let his community be disrupted for our sake. Jesus and his father have had perfect community through all eternity. And because of sin, we made ourselves strangers to God and did Jesus say, I can't let my perfect community be disrupted? No, he left his father and he came to us. And he went to the cross. He said, and he took our alienation upon himself so that we could be brought into God's life and welcomed into God's family. And so the gospel is the very hospitality of God himself. And so we love hospitality, following the Holy Spirit, sharing meals together, practicing uh, it as a whole community, and, and bringing people into our ordinary life, ultimately, because hospitality is the heart of the gospel of God's love for us. Jesus, the greater Boaz, has welcomed us into his community and fed us bread and wine. And so if there is one thing to define us as a church community. Let it be this. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the challenging words that though Boaz's life is so beautiful and attractive to us, we often see how how far short we fall of your vision of our community. And um, Lord, we thank you for your patient love for us. And we pray that um, you would just uh, help us to take steps forward as a church. Each one of us in new ways would welcome those the Holy Spirit is bringing into our life. Lord, um, we want to be your servants. We want to become like you. And as challenging as these words are, they are good news to us that, that the true God is like this.
We are so glad that you are a God who welcomes. So we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.